Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. I'm your host, Nstaku, and with me are... Units, also known as the player of bad games, also known as Austin. And... Shadow Chorus, also known as William, and you've forgotten your name. No, I haven't. I just said Sinsaku. <laughs> <laughs> I am also John. And we are Final Show Films. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, so, so, subversive characters, sort of as a specific, but also you know, not your non-standard character types in stories, um, both, both, in, both in video games and pen and paper RPG games and such like that. Um, and... Well, let's let's uh, we'll open it up by defining what what we mean by subversive characters. Subversive, in my mind, is a character whose goals are n- n- sort of in, in opposition with the rest of their group. Somebody who is you know who's who's designed to subvert the intention of the party. Um, you know, a, a, a spy who has infiltrated a group, a, a, an otherwise group of party, who's acting like one of the one of the party members, or a you know a person who is sort of puppeteering from behind the scenes a situation um, while acting like he is in charge. We see this a lot in NPCs, um, in, in in video games and RPGs, but we don't we don't see it quite as often in player characters. Now the question here is. To what degree is subversion? Because if someone is using a party to their advantage, but not necessarily trying to hinder them, yes, that, that I would still consider that to be subversive if they're not being open about it. Right. Like it doesn't have to end with "Aha, you have betrayed me. I shall shank thee mightily." No, no, no. It could be "Aha, I've used you to get my goal. Now I'm gone." Mm-hmm. You know, it could be it could be as simple as that. It doesn't it doesn't have to be. Ha, I've laid this clever trap for you, Bond. And now you will be hung above this pit of swirling sharks and left to die. It doesn't have to end badly for the party being used. No, no, it's just that the intention is not in line. Well, it's been a classic in a lot of the Dungeons & Dragons video games as one of the few ways to get evil characters into a party that is not evil. Um, Simply because it's hard to be like, well... This neutral, evil, money, you know, uh, thieving rogue wants to join your party because he's, she's an interesting character, but suddenly we have to have a reason that she's, you know, doing the paladin quest with you. And the reason in that case is self-interest. Yes. Um, which isn't necessarily subversive, but is, is heading towards that direction. Um, so, the, the okay, so here, here's one. Here's one that I can think of. Uh, an actual play series that I listen to, which is... Um, Happy Jack's RPG's uh, actual plays, uh, they're doing Star Wars Traveler right now. And one of the main characters has recently become an NPC because they were on this, uh, they were on, uh, what's the name of the, the, the world that the Radica, that the, the Radica built the, um, Starforge. The Rakata? The Rakata built the Starforge. Um, I don't remember. It's it's the it's the world Star Forge hovers over, but I don't remember the name of it. They were they were on a, a forbidden world, and this 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 particular campaign takes place in the uh, Galactic Imperium, the time of the Emperor and Darth Vader, uh, prior to the rebellion. And they're on this forbidden world, hunting down a Sith or hunting down a Dark Jedi. It's like near the Galactic Core, I think. It's it's I don't I'm not sure what the name of it is, but they're on that planet. Um. And one of the characters, their pilot specifically, 
is sort of a spineless Twi'lek uh, scoundrel. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a pilot, the mechanic, but he's not really up for risking his neck or 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 you know going into a fight. And for almost the entire game, he's been basically shoved into fights by the 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 tougher you know more masculine soldier types because they don't want to leave him behind or anything like that. And so he's been he's been pretty pretty shoved around the whole game. And at this point, the main guy who's been doing that has been taken out by this dark Jedi, and he has an option before him. He can continue to fight, or he can run away. Well, the player, being somebody who really values playing in character, ran away. Um, not only did he run away, he also took their only working ship and left the planet. Um... Which, you know, left the rest of the party in very dire straits because now they're stranded on this planet with a Dark Lord that they're trying to fight. And, um, I mean, there is a Starforge above their heads, so... Well, this is it's not functional anymore. It's been blown up. Uh, it's been blown up. The planet's still there, but the Starforge has been blown up. It's long been gone. Um, and so they're on this... They're, they're, they're basically stranded on this planet, I mean, planet and one of their characters has left. The planet is also a ship graveyard. Yes, so. it is. It is. But none of them are mechanics. Um, the one person who could have fixed the, the, the ship. The, I, I need, need I reiterate the pilot and mechanic left, <laughs> um, which I thought was a really interesting thing because because a lot of times when you're playing in in pen and paper RPGs, a lot of people will metagame and rationalize an, an an out of character action as being for the benefit of the party. But this character in particular, I don't, I don't think he started out as being as wanting to be subversive in this way, maintained his in-character reaction of being a coward and ran away. Um, saved his own skin because he could. And the guy who was pushing around and keeping him in the fight wasn't there anymore. And I find that really super interesting. It also throws a wrench in you know the DM's plan. But it also gives them a new NPC to play with and make 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 use of in, in a different way than normal. And it, you know, it, quite frankly, sort of livens up the experience for everybody else because that's not something that happens very I think often. if the DM has been reading the characters properly, he probably expected it something like this at some point. You, you, you might, but I find that when you play, like, I find that when you play a lot and you're used to people doing that metagamey you know, rationalization, then you don't necessarily expect it because you're like, yeah, in character he might do that, but we want to keep the party together so he'll find an excuse to not. And I, in that case, nope, no excuse, just bolted. I actually, I, I, I tend to question when people break character for the sake of this is the party. Yeah. Because I, in that situation, I would have been planning for what would happen when he ran away because I know this character. He's a coward. In, this, in a situation where there's no one to hold him there, he's going to run away. Yeah. So, I would be planning for that for that runaway. Because yeah, eventually you're, happen. you're also a relatively new GM, so you're you're not. You're, I'm also you, I'm also a more story driven GM. You haven't been you haven't been uh, <laughs> sort of you know uh, branded in the call or mind numbed in the cauldron of uh, of DMing. Actually, well, I've actually it, been it, DMing I, for a lot of different people. I, th- I think we should clarify. There's a lot of different styles of of role-playing games, that and too. some of them subversive characters work better than others. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people who role-play as a hack-and-slash experience. Yes. And 
subversive characters just kind of annoy people there because they're there to roll dice, get loot, get stronger. Yeah. Um, which is not the kind of which is not the kind of person that would be DMing for. Yeah. Um, um, and and then subversive characters work better in a personality driven story. Yeah. So. Just as, as a side note, subversive characters, while interesting, you have to know the game. You're, you have to know the game and the game you're getting into. Yeah. So that's the, that's one example. Can, can either one of you think of other examples that maybe you've experienced or you've seen? I mean, I've I've played one. I mean, he's not directly subversive to the party, but uh, Faust in our fifth edition campaign is in it for himself. Okay. He is using the party to his advantage. Okay. The he, fact that he is with the party, he he's a potentially subversive character. Like. Like if if his if his goals ever stray from the party, he will probably follow his goals before he will follow the party. But for now, the party is helping. The party is servicing his goals, so mm-hmm. he stays with them. Um, or uh, even in uh, in TV shows, because we were just watching Firefly. Yeah, Jane, Jane in one episode. Yeah, Jane's actually a really good example of that kind of character. Yeah, he's not there for the same reason that everyone, fact, everyone there. It, it, everyone is on the ship for a completely different reason. Yeah, but Jane's Jane's reason in particular leads him to be at odds with the rest of the crew more often than yeah. the rest. Um, because he is specifically self-interest above all else. Yeah. And, you know, to the point where Mal threatens to throw him out the air, you know, let him just get sucked out into deep space uh, because of it. Because, you know, Mal puts him, Mal is there to protect the people he's with. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I find that character to be a lot more interesting, and a lot both 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 to play, you know, both uh, both to play and to to experience. Well, and it adds a bit of realism because the thought that hey, these different people from different walks of life have not only found a common cause but are all Reacting in agreement about how we should achieve yeah. said common cause doesn't you know that doesn't even in real life that doesn't happen. No. Like, the three of us have disagreements on a lot of things a lot of the time. All the and, time. <laughs> and, but we still manage to make things come out and get produced. And that, that sort of conflict, that, that conflict leads to, I think, better, you know, better experiences, better productions. Um, well, for the most part. Yeah. Even when you and I argue on stream, the chat finds it entertaining. Yeah, the chat finds it <laughs> But at, the, but at the same time, I feel like I feel like we should try and slim down our arguments when we're doing like podcasts because who wants to listen to two people shouting at each other? Meta podcast in which we discuss how to improve the podcast on the podcast while podcasting about subversion. We'll do that one next week. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to that's a good way to subvert the podcast. Oh dear! Um, but like, I mean, like, we have a topic. <laughs> like, and. That, like there's there's a, there's a moment everyone everyone's done it at at some point in their career as a role player where the where the game is not going your way and you want to ma- and you and you try and find a way out, but the issue with that during a podcast is that that creates yeah. static. Yeah. But another subversion. I was playing a second edition game a couple of weeks back and we had a guy tied up for questioning, and he said something that sent my 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 character in that game is a halfling. Um, cartographer, which is a fighter-thief archetype. Um, and he's normally, you know, a pleasant little guy. Uh, but he has a really big thing against slavery. And this dude said something that set him off. And so he killed him on the spot and ended the questioning and went to bed. And it's like, um, 
We still wanted to we, ask questions. We needed to question him to advance the plot. It's like, oh, okay, good night. That that's kind of like the um, you know, when we had uh, we had a guy that you wanted to question, but my character was like, well, we've got no more use for him. Throw him in a window. It's um, like we we needed to, to get a guy. <laughs> and and that's an instance of, I think that's the much more common form of subversion where it's not, you know, break the party or leave. Where it's just I will do something because it's what I do and it may or may not get the party to kick me out. Usually parties are very forgiving people. Mm. Until until you until you get to the very character driven parties where all these personalities are clashing. Yeah. Which is when people do get kicked out. It it is it is interesting. I've only been in one campaign where the party actively killed another member of the party. <laughs> what campaign was this? It was John Crutel. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Uh, was he playing a paladin of St. Cuthbert? No, no. Or he was playing an orc, and it was bad. Nice. He was... Oh. There was there was a story that I read on on an image board at one point, and it was... There there were... It was a couple of... It was, it was a typical adventuring party, but two of them had this one character quirk. Both of them hated orcs with a passion. Every orc they met, they killed. It was a dwarf and some figure who never removed his helmet. He w- he was always armored fully, like, full plate. He slept in full plate. Uh, presumably human. Um, and they... He was an orc. They, 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 they've, they've been fighting orcs and constantly in battle, and they've become fast friends. Like, throughout throughout their, all of their adventures. Legolas and Gimli. Um, but at one point, the large man is tripped over a cliff, and his helmet is falls off, and the dwarf catches him by his hand, but in the light, he realizes that the man is half-orc, and he lets go. Huh. Nice. Just on instinct. Nice. Yeah, you know, this, 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 you know, that, that sort of non-standard, um, drive, character drive, I find to be very, particularly fascinating. Um... Well, I, I think it's really interesting when it does result in something that drastic. Yeah. Um, or, or when it results in your character doing something that gets the character killed. Or when it results in your character, you know, leaving the party. And you have to come up with a different character. And whether or not that's going to change the dynamic, a great deal. Um, so, moving from subversive characters to other non-standard, you know character types um apathetic characters apathetic characters apathetic characters are interesting because on the one hand (coughs) sometimes it's really easy to keep them with the party because they don't care to leave they don't care to leave on the other hand motivating them to do things and on yet another hand separating you the players caring about things yeah from you the characters caring about things would run into that where, like, you as a player will say, "Hey, we should, we, we should, should loot we this. should, we should not do this, or we should do this," but that's not a thing your character would actually say because he's absolutely apathetic. And w- one of the interesting things is, you know, you've done something like, "Huh, there's a bunch of money and loot in this room." My character doesn't care, but I really, really want to know what's in. The- oh, no, my character doesn't care. Okay, we we leave. Yeah. Whatever. My character does not care. Like, but I, I, I mean, there there is there is a, there is a point to be said for, like, when someone says something out of character that is relevant to a specific character in the party, 
that can be that can be said to be fine because in character that person would have that voice in the back of his head just saying you know there's loot over there we might want to grab that yeah but, somebody else though yeah but like if if the if one player whose character does not fit yeah. says that out of character it is fitting for another character to hear that and be like oh yeah in the back of my head there's probably loot over there yeah but I mean then you get to I'm telling you what your character should be yeah I'm telling you what your character's thinking yes but you know it, it doesn't it's kind quite of quite work yeah you are the you are the ultimate judge of whether or not your character would say that or think, or that, think that but you are but like there's something to be said for noting my character won't say this but there is loot over there any of your characters think that yeah that no that, and that's that's not quite metagamey because it's like do any of your characters think this way um knowing this information if they don't know that information yeah and your character does like uh for instance the 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 mithril spear where you were going to trade it in for an item of far less value. And I knew that, but I didn't say anything. I can't, because my character doesn't care that you're losing money. Yeah. Because he's not in it for you, he's in it for himself. And my, um, honestly, my character didn't care that he was losing money. It was, my character's getting, for getting, example, my character is the apathetic character. Yeah. My character's getting rid of something he doesn't need and getting something he does need. He doesn't. But, you know, it's one of those things where I can't say... That's a terrible deal. That's a terrible deal in character because I would because my character wouldn't. I also can't tell anybody else that that's terrible because nobody else rolled the appraise skill that I yeah. rolled or even had it. Um, you know, would have been able to roll the appraise so skill. Now we've shifted to a to a discussion on metagaming. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think metagaming. I think when you're talking about subversive characters and in other uh, otherly intended otherly intended characters, metagaming is a very big part of that discussion. Because that, like I said earlier, that tends to be how you make the character continue to work, is by metagame decisions. Um, and there's also there's also a point to note that there there comes a point when it, when the player is having trouble reconciling with their own character. Yes, which is when they're not thinking in a way that their character would, or they're not making actions that their character would take. Yeah, or a, or a, the biggest one is a player will suggest doing something, and it's like, you as a player might think this has worked, but your character has a knowledge of how this would work. It's like, oh, well, my character is an explosive expert. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blow in this door. And it's like, you, you your can, character actually knows that probably that really knows dangerous. that this won't work, and those, yeah. this is an architectural... You as a player, there's no way you would know that, but the DM might step in and be like, just so you know... Your character would know this is a thing. Yeah, your character would know that's a thing. Do you? Are you sure you want to go through with that? Um, so, m- metagaming is interesting. Uh, it poses an interesting problem because, on the one hand, we want everybody to have fun and you know, and and, the, and, and, and enjoy be, them and enjoy their time. And to be clear, there's different lines and levels of metagaming. It, it, yeah. it depends on your party and it depends on your DM. And in the, the hack and slash parties, metagaming is kind of what it's it's, it's par for course. Yeah. Um, the, the, the second edition campaign I play with another group, you don't say anything that your character would be out of You know, you, there is no discussion out of character, or there is no, wouldn't your character notice this? Yeah. Every, At all. Like, everyone in the second edition campaign that he's in basically is expected to know their characters. Well, not just that, but they're expected to have studied along the field of their character's line. The, the druid in the party, you know, keeps a, like, a natural... Uh, wildlife uh, keeps a couple, you know, encyclopedia guides by, on hand about 
huh, this is a bear. Let's <coughs> look up some stuff on bears while we're doing this. Yeah. So that I would have access to the knowledge my, my character would. Yeah. As opposed to, hey, by the way, this is the thing that bears do. This is more, so this is a, a more immersive yeah. experience. And I guess it really does, get, in that case, it really does get down to how immersive do you want your experience to be with that mm-hmm. gaming. Um, but of course, this is also a, a, a but, session where 14, 15 year long campaigns are a thing. Yeah. You learn and develop a character so fully that it's, 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 it is another character. We've got an issue, def- we've got an issue keeping campaigns going for a long time because we, because some of us want to keep jumping systems. <laughs> Most of us. <laughs> um, I feel like, and I, and I think, I think Mario Nala plays walking campaign will still fix that. Maybe. Kind of. Um, Really, the thing that would fix it is playing multiple multiple systems at once, but we none of us have time for that. Yeah, we don't have the time span. <laughs> um, like, I, I really want to continue my cam- the campaign that I'm running right now into like far future, like in, yeah. in, into the distance. But there's other stuff that we plan. Yeah. <sighs> I do find it interesting though that there are levels of metagaming that. Uh, like like it very like it varies from person to person the level of metagaming that you feel is appropriate for any situation. Um, but there are even there are levels that no matter who you are, even that you won't go to. Um, like you know, in, in a combat situation, if you have a limited amount of information, if the character has a limited amount of information, but the player doesn't, you might think of a tactic that your character wouldn't think of. And for some people, that's acceptable. For other people, that's not. Like for me, that's not. Yeah. But in, in, in other instances, people will be like, "No, no, totally. I'll, I'll just yell this out to you, and you can you can do it." And like, I feel like that is one of those. That's one of those situations where where some people are on one side of it, some people are on the other side. There's also there's also some situations, like in combat situations, especially where um, people are focusing so much on the combat that they're missing things their characters know. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, "I there's no way there's no way I would know this." I mean, actually, you would if you think back, but you're focusing too much on the combat right now. Yeah. Um, an- another, an- the, the biggest one that I think almost everyone's okay with as far as metagaming is, hey, do you want to tell the rest of the party that? Yeah. Like, I made a knowledge check. Oh, I learned this interesting thing. You want to tell us? Chirp. 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 Oh, I should probably tell the rest of the party that yeah. this, this poison will instantly melt your face. Does, does that happen in your second edition campaign? Where people don't say that. No, actually, that's not a problem at all in the second edition campaign. Because people know to tell people. Yeah, and <laughs> and again, this is a lot of people who, like Good I said, for running a campaign, yeah. a a single campaign for fourteen years. Yeah, and uh, you know, and definitely more invested in it than than say we are. Uh, um, so going going back to let's let's hop back to our original uh, point of of differently intentioned characters. Um, what are some, so we've talked about a couple, we've talked about Jane, talked about a couple, and are there any others that you guys can think of that, that, that are really sort of stand out? Not, not necessarily as subversive characters, but as differently intentioned characters. I mean, there's always, like, insane characters, for instance. Insane no. characters, in my opinion, are, an, they, they have to be played very well and even very then, carefully. Like, insane characters have to have some level of metagaming involved. There is because there was... a truly insane character will generally 
not only make for a not fun experience, they will <laughs> subvert the plot. Well, yeah, and it depends on what kind of yeah, it like, depends on what kind of incentive. what kind of incentive and, and like for, there was a character I've always wanted to play too. There's a character I've always wanted to play, and he would work best in Warcraft. But I'm the only person who DMs that, so it's kind of impossible to play him. But I wanted to play an insane, like complete, total psych, like maniac, like not even comprehensible in his own thought process. But he's a spirit champion, which is someone who is guided by the spirits of his ancestors. Like in everyday AKA life, AKA built-in metagaming, <laughs> in-game metagaming. No, I, I like I, I like I like that I like that clash of this character is batshit. Like there's no there's no way he would properly be able to reason anything out. But as long as he listens to the voices, but in if his he listens head, to the voices in his the voices in his head, then things can move forward. So you're saying it's negative two wisdom? Except he has to have a high spirit, which is a stat in in yeah. in Warcraft. Spirit and wisdom are awkwardly S- uh, co-aligned. Yeah. Because like, in, in, in order to be insane, you have to have a low wisdom. Not necessarily. Mechanically. Um, not necessarily mechanically. You can be very perceptive and still be, you know, have a complete lack of common sense. Well, complete um, lack of common sense and insane are two very different yeah. things. But Well, no, but you can be someone who is mentally unstable but still highly perceptive. Like uh, Monk. Yeah. Monk. I don't know that a monk can. No, monk, no, no, the monk. person. From oh, the... oh, the character monk. Adrian Monk. He's from not. Monk. He's not insane though. He's OCD. He, he has a problem that is meant. He is a literal definition of mentally unstable. Or he has an issue that prevents a better, him. A better example from Firefly: River Tam. Yes, River. Highly perceptive. Her wisdom score would be very high. She is absolutely crazy. Fair. Fair. Um and. and it, it also comes down to how are you defining your stats? Um, because, again, we're trying to cram the real-world complexities into... Into six in, stats. Into six, six to eight six stats, depending, eight stats, on, your depending on your system. Um, because you can be... Like, like, charisma is a one that's very commonly, in my opinion, misrepresented and hard to understand because charisma is force of personality... But oftentimes it, it's simply translated to in likability, and they're like not the same. There thing. are a lot of charismatic people who people don't like, who people really hate. Well, people really hate, but at the time, not nece- like when they're in face to face with them, not necessarily. Well, right. you can respect somebody and still hate them. Yeah, Donald Trump is very charismatic. Not, he's, not, kind, he's also not, insane. Not recently. No, he's very charismatic. He's he, not liked, but he's very charismatic. Because he gets people to think... He, he gets people to notice him. So the definition of, of, of charisma is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. So not necessarily but we're, but, well But liked. again, we're trying to classify yeah. into one word because not, it's not just... It's just the, 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 ability to, the ability to make people follow you. Or the ability to influence people. The ability to influence people and make, you know, yeah. Is, whether you, is, whether is you want them to follow you or not, but, like, the ability yeah. to influence the actions of others. Yes, is charisma. Would be what charisma is at its core. Yeah, um, at least in the D&D terms. And so sometimes there's characters where it's like, well, my character is a hated, brutal warlord, but he gets people to respect him, so he is charismatic in his way. Like, people fear him and respect him. Yeah, like, you like it's a bad, it's a bad comparison, but Hitler was very charismatic. Yes, well, but Hitler made people like him. 
Like, he actually did... He Like, the Third Reich happened because people loved him in Germany. Yeah, people in, in Germany loved him because he made he created jobs and restored the economy. <laughs> and he's like, okay, now that, I've, now that I've restored your economy, let's go to war. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so in, in, we've kind of delved a little bit far off, but um, going back to insane characters, I find that I find insane characters probably need a handler. They they not necessarily a meta game sense, but a, another character in the party that can connect with them, or like a built in handler. Well, like with the spirit champion I was talking yeah, about, yeah. Like the spirits that guide yeah. him are his handler. Yeah, some some another another character that can connect with them on a fundamental enough level to, to keep, keep them... To keep them moving the right direction. To keep them, you know, going to the right rather than running off to the left. Um, it's like, you don't, you, don't need, you don't need to stop him from being crazy. You just need to kind of guide him to the right direction a little bit. Which sort of, I think, you know, in the, in the character creation process, you want to maybe not have more than one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you also want to make sure that if you have a character who... Not even, not even insane, but a character who grossly does not work with the rest of the world that you have someone in the party who is willing to help and accommodate because then you'll end up otherwise you'll end up with a character it's like huh my solution to every problem is to commit murder or to ram at it at 250 miles an hour yes um <laughs> sometimes it is a wall <laughs> and if you don't have someone in the party to stop you will probably garner the hate of everybody and eventually get killed <laughs> by your own hand or others by your own hand or others but um, um you know if you commit enough murder and, and no one stops you the law enforcement may just chase you down yep and and that's that 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 tails neatly into a rather a rather interesting topic of character roles not like fighter rogue wizard but within a personality like personality but, roles you know, within a party leader Researcher, face, face, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 shadow run character roles, yeah. <laughs> um, face, fence, fighter, leader, leaders, leaders are an interesting thing because qualified leaders and um, and experienced leaders are two different things. Yeah, a qualified leader is someone who knows how, someone a military commander, someone who has the skills to lead. The the experienced leader is someone who knows their party, someone who knows the people they're working with, someone the people that they're working with trust. Yeah. They may not have like the knowledge to lead, but they have the, the experience the, to lead, or the force of will, the, the and, charisma to lead. And it's it's interesting how many parties just kind of get a leader. Yeah, no one's ever really elected. It sort of happens. It just sort of yeah. We 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 assume that this character is the leader of the party because they're the ones that they're, they're and and generally it comes by this person's character is. The most stable. Not necessarily. <laughs> Usually, an unstable leader leads to problems. Um, at least to a very interesting campaign. Eh, we, we, our Pathfinder campaign, I don't, I don't know that very many of us would qualify as stable. I mean, <laughs> my character was stable the entire time. He was angry at, very, said, at, a, at a couple said, of points. But, I but said but very your, many. Your character also Wasn't was not... But your, your character in character was not a leader type individual. No. Yeah. yeah. Our, our leaders tended to be... Not very stable. <laughs> uh, it's also always interesting when two different people think they're the leader. Yeah. Um, I mean, because at that, that point, it determines who who ends up who who does the, who does the party end up listening to more often. 
Well, at, at that but point. but you can still think you're the leader. That, that's true. And the party doesn't listen to you. It's true. That's very that's very true. Um, uh, in, in a more char- in a more character driven party, typically the leader is the one who's been there the longer, who 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 has who has more of the trust of the characters. Yeah. Which again is why it's usually someone stable and generally likable. Yeah. Though I do find it interesting when the leader of the party is not the most likable person in the party. Oh, it's almost never the most likable person. Oh, yeah, in the like party. Mal. Mal is not the most likable person on Serenity. No, that's why. That's what I was saying. When he's not the most likable person in the party. Yeah. But you still respect him. Yeah. <laughs> like, even but, if you, even if like you know, Inara, even if Inara doesn't agree with him, she's not going to directly countermand what he says. But Mal is, she but needs to. Mal is also still a likable person. Yeah. He has a definitive charisma. He has a likability. He has a very. He's also very stable and trustworthy. You know everything Mal does is for his crew. Yes. Stable, not necessarily, but trustworthy um, at the very least. He, Mal's pretty stable. He's run off, off half-cocked more often than not in that series. Yes, but you can kind of expect him <laughs> to do it. <sighs> his, but his, motiva- and his motivation... His motivation is stable. His, um, he, he's, he's predictable. You know what he's going to do. Yeah. And he, when he runs off, when he when he gets into a passionate thing, we're going to do this. It's generally no, I agree. This is this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, um and, and it depends on the party too, of course, who becomes a leader. But then, like stepping away from leaders, there's also I like the five man band analogy that has been codified in TV tropes. Of you have the leader, the big guy, the smart guy, <laughs> the girl, or the emotional support. And then the, um, the, 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 the sidekick, or the, the pet, the dragon. Yeah. The sidekick. Yeah. Well, see, the thing, the thing about the pet is they're usually someone that seems relatively unimposing, or that is just kind of meek, or just kind of follows the party along, but they're usually exceptionally dangerous when it comes to a serious situation. Well, in, in TV, not always, but... Yeah, but... Like, in, in, like, for, in MASH, Radar O'Reilly. Yeah. Particularly useful, oh, I think would be a better phrase there. Yeah. Because uh, O'Reilly was very useful in the series, but not necessarily dangerous. Usually. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, Disney sidekicks that are useless. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of games where you have a sidekick, and it's like, Navi, I want to put you in a bottle. Navi's not a sidekick. She was an accessory and a noisy one. <laughs> <laughs> but she was designed to fill the role of sidekick. Yeah. Well, I, they I, I did a bad job. I don't know. I think Epona was more of the sidekick than, 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 than they Navi. They just did a bad job. The um, uh, Navi was a Navi was supposed to be a GPS. The uh, <laughs> the the um hence navigation. Yeah, hence Navi navigator. Um, but the uh, the Lancer, as they call it in in TV tropes, is the person who is the side character, who is the who is the best friend, the guardian of the of the leader. Yeah, Han Solo is the Lancer to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And it's interesting how different these individuals can be across different types. Yeah. The wingman. The wingman, yeah. Wingman, that'd be a better phrase than Lancer. Well, it's not always a sci-fi universe, so it's like, Lan- well, Lancer's wing, the one that got codified. Wingman is a real-life term. Yeah. For, for, for a friend who helps you. That's also, that originated <laughs> from flight, though. From your wingman. Well, yeah, it originated from, from Air Force, but... When, when there's no Air Force in your setting because it's fantasy, that, that you term doesn't... Doesn't come out. There are no Lancers in real life. 
There were. There were. There were, not anymore. Anyways. Um, I'd say, and I think filling, these roles tend to be filled by a class basis in, in most D&D, like in most D&D style settings that have classes. Um, they tend to be like, the leader tends to be a fighter or a, a frontline style person. Very rarely is a mage the leader of a, of a group. Well, just as often though, the leader can be a rogue, like a bard or a, yeah. or a rogue. Somebody who, in, the rogues tend to end up, unless they're an archer style rogue, they tend to end up on the front lines. Um, they might not no, be long. That they, depends on your edition. In second edition, if your rogue's on the front line, your rogue is dying. Well, yeah. In, in, in 3.5 and up. Um, but the, it, There's a lot of rogues who don't combat. Yes, or don't combat very well. Um, it's like in 3.5, rogues are meant to be, I backstab this guy and then I go away. Yeah. Because if I don't go away, I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and then they're the utility here. They're, they're, do, they do the sneaking and the talking and the, pick, and the lock picking. Yeah. And the, the 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 sort of more verticality to the to the uh, encounters rather than the straightforwards. <laughs> not that not that all rogues do. <laughs> not that all rogues do. Not that all rogues don't just go for the straightforward murder option. Sometimes. Sometimes you got to play a rogue like a barbarian. Some based on the character. Anyways. <laughs> Going back to the character of the character. Not everybody can help being a rogue. <laughs> I was a rogue that really wishes he was a fighter. <laughs> like, I was born a rogue. I wanted to be a fighter. But then you took the prestige class that was most inclined to not fighting. I know. Because I liked it. And it was useful. Um, anyway. But... Oh, but but now you know why I took that prestige class. Barbarian spies. <laughs> <laughs> Barbarian spy master. Oh, dear. Uh, um, yeah. But. Other, other, other not, not traditional uh, motivation style characters. Someone who wants to murder everybody but they're a stealth character. <laughs> Somebody who wants to murder everybody but they're a stealth character. Um. um. One, one, one character archetype that I really like, but I've never seen work in a party, probably because of the distance they create from the party, is the sniper. The person who is supposed to be methodical and cold and acts from a distance just to make sure that everyone else gets through alive. I've seen it. I've never, exp- I've never played it myself or experienced the campaign that yeah. it's been, but I've, I've, I've heard it like in actual plays. Um, they tend to be, the problem with, the, the problem with, with playing a character like that is that it does, it's, it's not necessarily that it separates you from the party emotionally or, 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 like in a character sense, but, but mechanically it separates you from the party. And what ends up happening is it's a bunch of, all right, the five, I'm going to go set up. Okay. You're setting up the rest of the party. Roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice, roll some dice. 10 minutes later. Okay. Sniper, your turn. That tends to be why people don't don't tend to play it, that character. It comes down to splitting the party, and yeah. and what ends up happening. And we we actually in Shadowrun this is highly encouraged. Yeah, splitting the party is very much encouraged in Shadowrun. The, the biggest problem with that is when you have three different subgroups that are all doing their missions. Depending on how long it takes, it, it also be, depends on how involved the other the other people are in playing. You know, yeah, there, there are a lot a, of groups where. 
okay, well, I did my 10-minute bit, and I'm going to sit here for an hour while the other people do their bits, and I have to pretend I don't know what's going on over there, otherwise I'll metagame. Yeah. And and so not you know having a, having a party that's encouraged to split up in systems where combat can take a long time, or when anything can take a long time, is where is why that tends to get discouraged. In Shadowrun, it's encouraged because nothing in Shadowrun takes very long. Also, everybody has communicators who can talk to each other. That too, everybody has like so pieces. when it's like, hey, hey guess what? I entered this room and I found, and, and it tends to run in five minute bits. It's I hacked this door open. Your turn. I go through the door. We get ambushed. I beat them up. While this fight's going on, you climb through the ducts. You hear the fight going on below you. I trigger or, the sprinkler system to put out... Or even or even, or even, even less. Assisted stealth. So this is something that you guys never ran into in the Shadowrun campaign, but you will the next time we go back. Um, a situation where a sniper... Or somebody is separated from the group and is looking into the building from a vantage point. And that I, I think I know where this is going, and, and I, I love it so much. And a person has to sneak through a room. It's like there's, a guard, there's poke, a guard in the way. Exactly. No, there's not. Well, no, not even no, not even that. There's a guard. Okay, he's looking in your direction. Don't move because mm-hmm. we can't shoot him because we'll, we'll we'll sound an alarm. <laughs> we can't shoot him because we'll sound an alarm. You can't take him out. You have to get around him, but you can't see him because you have to poke your head out to see him. If you poke your head out, he'll see you. Yeah. So wait for it. When I tell you, run to that box to your right. Mm-hmm. Now, eye in the sky. That yeah, that sort of that sort of style of gameplay that 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 helps with having a communicator. Um, and that is sort of again taking that traditional setting where you've got these people separated and making it work for the mission. One of the many good, one of the many because things Shadowrun is good at. In, 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 in that case, you can have a character who's not good at stealth, but you've got somebody walking them through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that sort actually of adds it's another ex- dimension. It's extra funny when it's a character who's not fit for that role. Who's I need to be assisted doing this role. I mean, and that happens a lot in in TV shows. Yeah. Where it's, let me walk you through this from a distance. Because I know what you need to do, but you don't know what you need to do. So you have to, it, you know, it, it's, it's a trust thing. And yeah. it, I think it also is really good for um, character relationships. What, what is your character relationship? How much do you trust this guy? How much do you Who is telling you to do this? Um... If something goes wrong, who do you blame? Now, here's the real question. So, um, this goes into the DM, and this is something that I will be trying to do. Um, limiting the information between players. So, not only do you now have to determine how much you trust that person as a character, how much you trust that person as a player, and how much is that going to affect your, your decisions as a character. Because if I'm giving Shadow Course information, and not you, and he is relaying that information to you, how do you then proceed? It's a game of telephone. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, well, and, 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 and that's I, another thing that's in the second edition campaign. A lot of stuff is passed via ninja note. Because there is a, there is a big difference in, this is what my character knows. Which I need, I need to start doing more often. How yeah, do I notes. communicate this knowledge? Because I'm, I'm not just going to flat read this. And, I, and I'm, one of the things I don't like is in a lot of campaigns you get into, my character summarizes what just happens Say it in your own words. Yeah, you know how does your character say? Well, because that do... and that happens. A, that happens a lot because it was just explained. Yeah, and it's like I'm not. I don't have. Uh, I don't fully remember exactly what you said, but I explained that everybody else heard it. 
when only one person gets the information, they have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> they have to explain it in their own words. It forces them to do that. And that's an aspect that's an aspect of controlling metagame that I like. Of of you, you control the metagame by by eliminating it. Only one person gets the only the person that got the information gets the information. And you do that again, you do that by writing it out and handing it to a person. You know, it's like here's you have a pad. You have a, you have a blank pad and a pen, or a blank pad and a pencil. I, I, it's funny. I have this a is pad and I don't use it. Yeah, I, I really need to make one. This is what it. you see. Rip it, hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's also really ominous when you see your DM writing like a novel. Scratch, 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 scratch. Like, so then that that actually brings yet another different character role. The DM <laughs> of the the DM, um, and what the what the DM's role in the game is. If the DM's role is just to present a story and let you go through it, if it's to help you through the story, or if it's to actively work against you, because like, they are they are like in Shadowrun, the DM is the whims of fate. Like is the you know, is is the I, world acting against you. I feel like like every DM has to play all of those roles at some point yeah. in in in, in, a, in an individual campaign. It's fun for me specifically to mislead my players when it comes to a case of roles. Like when someone says, "I say make a skill, make a skill roll," and you roll it, you don't know what it's for. I just tell you to make the skill roll. Yeah. And I don't tell you what the result is, but I know what the result is. Yeah. And it might come into play soon. It's also fun. It's also fun when you completely flub a, a military knowledge roll. <laughs> Sorry. What do you think? What do you <laughs> think, military tactics? Another interesting thing, and this is something that I know a lot of people don't do now, but it, um, if you read the second edition rule books, it was a big thing uh, a long time ago. And it's players, there's certain roles that players don't make, that the DM makes for them, and then presents them information. Um, again, going back to the second edition <coughs> campaign play, perception when, I, rules. Perception when rules. I, it's not just perception, when I, um, when I go to search for a trap, I tell him my trap skill. He rolls, and he's like, you are confident there's no traps. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. <laughs> In character, I really, we really, open the door. Make a, uh, make a save versus death. I, I, there, there really should be used more often, because I, I feel like the, I saw what the number I rolled on the die, and I know what my skill adds up with, and makes you more confident. It's really hard to avoid metagaming when you just know hard on what the, what the die what roll you was. Do, it's like, yeah. I rolled a one, and he's giving me knowledge. I know this is wrong. It makes me not want to act on it. Yeah. And it's... It's, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard to give you... To, just to stop it. And, and, and in a lot of cases, what you do then is just, I make the wrong decision. I, I, I make... I, you know, I knowingly make and, the wrong decision but not, as not only... <clears throat> But even when you do know it, it just—it's a feel bad. It's a yeah. I just love this role, and now I have to follow through. Even if you don't metagame, this is just a feel bad of yeah. Like, I have to follow I, through. I, I, I don't know any. I don't know any better. I, I have to I try feel, to climb on the giant robot. <laughs> I feel like most roles where the play, where where the play, where the character could be misled by the result should be made by the DM. Yeah. Instead of the player, because when when the player sees I rolled a terrible thing. He's telling me this information. It's probably wrong. Like most situations, that should be the DM rolling it when they when the person can get 
well, metagame information based just based on his dice roll. So and sometimes I feel like that's also a thing. It depends on how good how good of a player your your player is. Like if, if it's a player you know will be able to follow through with a in character decision regardless of his player feelings, that happens. Going back to the Star Wars Traveler game that I'm listening to, one of the characters rolled a very you know critical fail an investigation roll. And so he, his character was absolutely convinced that this person who was completely innocent was the guilty was 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 a guilty person, and he pursued that in character. He continued to, he continues to pursue it. In fact, like after after it's been proven that he's not, he still thinks he is because he critical failed. And and that's that's because that's that player's ability to play the character but, in character. But ironically, so. sometimes. You pursue the wrong option so hard that you kind of overdo it. Yeah, it's like it's also it, a situation of being overdone. And at that point, it becomes you know is that is that in your character is is that in character for you to be that overdone? And it, it's but difficult. At the same time, like everyone has a different has a different amount of player skill, yeah. especially with role playing characters. And when when the DM generally makes those roles, that helps. Yeah, it, like it, it definitely helps. Like a good enough player can deal with it themselves. But not ha- but not forcing them to deal with it themselves helps. It, it definitely it definitely takes takes that off there. It and it, 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 off. it also helps the feel bad of I rolled. I know I'm wrong, I know but I'm I have wrong. to do this. Yeah. Which you know some some people get very salty. <laughs> some people are salty by nature, though, so it's not their fault. <laughs> some people are Italian. Some people are Italian. <laughs> Some people are Italian and get angry very quickly, but they don't mean it. It's just an instinctual flare. It's, it's just salt. It's just it's salt. Just, it's just high amounts of sodium it, coursing through their just, veins. It's just the Dead Sea. It's cool. <laughs> I have a salt deficiency. So, you so, know, I, I you hang a, around people like that. You have a salt deficiency. I have a salt surplus. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, medically, I have a salt deficiency. <laughs> I... I don't medic. Anyways. I have no idea what my what my salt content is. D derail. Um, so yeah, and you know, and and then yet more yet more non standard, not necessarily subversive, but non standard character roles. The um, the character who's obligated to be in a position like the 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 I'm here because I I'm here because I owe you. I'm honor bound or yeah. I owe you not because I want to be here. It's very clear about that. Um, it's like I don't like any of this, but I owe now, you my life. This is a yeah. character that I find most interesting from a character development standpoint because it can change to actually like either sympathizing or realizing that, that my debt is not worth it. In yeah, or, or realizing my honor is making me do things that I disagree with. How far? How far will my honor yeah. go? How far does my honor go? And that's when you get fallen paladins, and that's when things get interesting. Well, not even fallen paladins all the way, but just just things where it's my my lawful, neutral, you know, dwarven clansman um, re- realizes that he cannot be stubborn McDwarfman all the time because he's following his honor bound decision. He breaks the neutral good. Yep. Alignment shift. Um, alignment shifts are interesting mechanically, and they're also really well, interesting story-wise. Typically, they have very little to do with mechanically. It's mostly a, a story, a character. Your, your characters. Yeah. It's basically a your character has changed so much in a fundamental way yeah. that we're going to reclassify their motivation for everything. And this is this is something that I really like. 
as a DM and as a player, this is something that I that I run across a lot because I've done a lot of DMing, not just with us, but with like on on online servers in in various groups. Um, there's a there's this thing that people go with where they enter a campaign with their character fully developed. It's like your story's already been done. Your story's over with. Why are you here? If your character isn't going to develop throughout the course of this campaign, why is he present? Yeah. And there, that, that's an issue that I have with certain players. It's, it, it, it comes and goes, depending on who you're playing with. But there's a lot of times where someone will bring a character into the campaign and they already know everything about their character, all their decisions. They, they're not going to develop anywhere. They're already fully developed. Yeah. They're, it's like, they're, 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 ready, they're ready from the get-go. That character is flat. It's like, they have where they're at, and that's where they're going to stay. Yeah. And that's not a character... Like, I can work with that character, but it's not... It's not stimulating for me as a DM. Because this character's never going to develop. Well, then there's also, what what do you do when, when you've got a, per, a player who has a character type that your DM doesn't like? Or when it's a, it's a like, like, the DM... This, this character type is so at odds with the way that the GM thinks that... Even if in the like, then then we have a question of when is the GM metagaming? Mm-hmm. When is the GM making NPCs act a way that they wouldn't actually act in relation to this character because he doesn't like that character, or when is he just making NPCs that don't like this character on a on a, on a very fundamental level? And and what can the, what can the that, players do? What happens when the player, the player is just trying to bother the, the DM? player is doing that intentionally? Yeah. Or the third option. The player has created a character so at odds with the party that the DM has to artificially create a way to get the character out. I had a character who um, had this thing where he liked to cast Dominate Person on his party members to make them do things. <laughs> and it just made it unfun. This is John Croteau, again. Different character. Croteau, uh, so Croteau approaches games at a mechanical level. No, Croteau approaches games intentionally trying to break them. At yeah, a mechanical level, yeah. He is a game breaker. He is, I, you know, and he has alter memory spells and all this stuff, so it's like, I dominate the party, make them do what I want, and then I make them forget that they did that. Yeah. Um, and eventually, he, he prevented them from completing a quest for the person they were with, and the person cast imprisonment, which is a ninth level spell, which permanently uh, encases you in a labyrinth in the center of the earth. <laughs> and there's no saving throw. No saving throw. You just get stuck. And he's like, what? I didn't have a chance. It's like, you had a chance. Your chance was not ticking off the most powerful magic user in the world was it and Elminster? your party. Was it Elminster? No, it wasn't Elminster. Oh, because Elminster would have not only done that, but also kicked you in the balls just for good measure. <laughs> Um, but, you know, he got all annoyed at me because, like, oh, well, you know, you, you just, you made this character, like, admittedly, it was a little bit of a stretch for the character to do this, but it made the game more enjoyable for the party. Yeah. So I guess, so we have, we have three different avenues of discussion on this. You know, we have, we have what happens when the GM is actively, you know, doing this again because he just doesn't like that character. Not necessarily because that character is bad, but he just doesn't, like, like, say it's a, it's an ultra, it's a uh, super intellectual DM like, as a personality type, an intellectual, you know, they're, they're kind of, their values, thought, and intellect over everything. And one of the players is playing a dumb character. Well, and not even that. Dumb he, he, here's and here's he an even easier like one. That you, the DM overthinks all of his puzzles, 
and one of the characters plays a brute force run grab run. So you and me. No, <laughs> um, no, not not to that extreme though. Um, but yeah, so 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 something like that, and then the DM actively doesn't like that character's player. That character's actively making players that that player is making characters that he knows the GM doesn't like, and that character's making that player that player's making characters that other players don't like. So we've got three different avenues there, and then what can each you know, yeah. the other side do? So from a GM perspective, what if as a player, what are your options when you have a GM that is making decisions and NPCs that directly counter your character because he doesn't like your character. In all honesty, find a different GM. I think, actually, the key here is to talk with the rest, of the rest of the people playing and the rest of the party and figure out, is this just a problem with me? Or is it a problem, you know, is, is, make sure that you're not towing a line. Because sometimes you can be like, you, you can think something, you just realize, that's not why everyone here is playing. You're, yeah. play, you're playing a hack and slash in a role-playing game. Yeah. You know, maybe you're in the wrong place. Even if the DM is handling it wrong, maybe this just isn't a group you should be playing in. Or sometimes it's, hey, DM, what's your, you know, what's... What's the deal? What's the deal? The big thing is communicate with everybody and just figure out why everyone is playing. Why yeah. are you DMing, DM? What do you, what, do you want to just tell a story and you want all the players to do what you want them to do? If so, that's fine. I may not want to play this game. Yeah. If that's what you're doing. Yeah. It's just a matter of figure out why is everybody playing. And if they're playing, if everyone is playing for a drastically different reason than you, if you're playing for blood and guts and loot, yeah, you shouldn't be there. Or if you're playing for role play in a blood, guts, and loot game, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be there. Um, if you watch, what is it? The, the Gamers. The Gamers. Um, there, there's the character, there's, there's a DM who's there for t- to tell a story, and a player who's there to... Kill and loot. ...break the mechanics. It's, it's an interesting mix. And it, and it shows what happens when that goes down. When, 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 and it, it's a really interesting story of, basically... Um, it, it's, a, it's a really fun tale of how party members sometimes cannot mesh with the DM, or, or, how, yeah. or how certain players just don't work together. And how sometimes players change and they end up in a place where they can work together. Yeah. But sometimes it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. And it's a game. It's actually for fun. Yeah, it's meant, meant for fun if you're not having fun. It doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's doing it wrong. It just yeah. means they shouldn't be doing it together. Or, or John Cruteau can play all the games he wants to with his friends. That's fine. Yeah. But, you know, there's a certain amount of, of people that... But there's a certain amount of, you shouldn't be playing with this group. Yeah, because this is a group of people who are here to role play and have fun. And and we've we've actually experienced this on a couple of different levels between the three of us as a group. Uh, one person in particular, just you know, he he wasn't he wasn't that he didn't like anybody. It's just that he felt he was here for a different reason than everybody else was. And he's like, that's you know, I'm not having fun. Everybody else is having fun. I'm not having fun. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Yeah, and. You know, it's not that, not that, I, not that, it's, it's not like, it's not that I hate everybody. Yeah. It's just that exactly. it I'm, is, I'm looking for that, a different thing. It's not that he's playing the game wrong. Yeah. It's that he's playing it for a different reason. 
Yeah, and, and, and with a different mindset. And the, the, the second time is basically the same. When you have a troll player who is just trolling the DM, you, you just at some point you have to be like, okay, but really. See if, see if it bothers the other players. Yeah. Because that's, that's when you, the DM kind of has to step in and be like, I'm going to basically make you make another character. And, and I guess it does, it does come down to as as much as as much as as much as we joke and kid as a society about the GM's job is not to have fun. The GM is there to have fun. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 it whatever the GM is doing is fun for them. Um, for the most part, it should be, unless you know. It's a game everybody likes, but only one person can GM. Um, even then, the GM should still be having fun uh, with it, and it's up to it's up to everybody, both players and GMs, to work together to have fun. Because otherwise, you're spending two and a half to five hours irritating each other in a small room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and that doesn't that typically doesn't end well. Anybody? <laughs> I, I think that basically summarizes the entire podcast. Yeah. Everybody is there to have fun. As long as everybody is having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah. Started subversive characters, ended up with just have fun when you play. Yeah. Um. If subversive characters are a problem for your group, don't play subversive characters. If everybody wants to be subversive and they have a blast stabbing each other in the back, bloodbath for that everybody. Would, that would be hilarious. <laughs> like, everybody is trying to undermine the party and that's doing called, so. That's called mafia. And in doing so, everybody is undermining themselves as well. I think that would be it's a like, hilarious game. I'm, I'm, undermining, I'm undermining the party, but it's because every, they're undermining the party, everybody else is undermining the party. It's I, every who done it ever. I think that would be hilarious, actually, is a shadow run. All of you are secretly hired by a different corporation under one blanket corporation name, yes. and you're all trying to figure out who the other persons or people are working for. Nice. Wasn't there a TV show about this, about a bunch of different spies living under one roof? Uh, I know. There's a play called Musical Comedy Murders in the 1940s, and that's basically what happens. Nice. It's hilarious. Nice. And there's just one guy, and he's like, what the heck is going on? Because he's the innocent <laughs> one. Uh, okay. I think that's, I think we're going to have a short podcast today, because uh, uh, we have stuff that needs to be done. Uh, some some of us have stuff that needs to be done sooner than others. So I think that's, I think that's a good stopping point. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, stories you'd like to share, or topics of discussion you'd like to hear us talk about, please feel free to email them to us at finalshowfilms at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email us at contact at finalshowfilms.com. We are Final Show Films, and what does that mean? That means we do a lot of content. We produce content every day of the week, uh, two podcasts on Mondays, a stream every day, a comedy series called Two Guys, One Camera on Tuesdays and Thursdays, an interview series called Since Talking on the Street on Wednesdays, and a Let's Play series on Fridays. And to do all of this, we are supported by you, the listeners. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash fsfilms and donate a monthly amount to help us uh, get to our next goals and continue producing the content that you enjoy. Um, and feedback is always uh, appreciated, so please feel free to email us at any of the emails that I've just listed earlier. You can also contact me on Twitter, at John A. Bates. You can also contact uh, Shadow Chorus. At Shadow underscore Chorus. And you can also contact Units. Units. U-K-N-I-T-S. Alright. And you can also join us for our daily streams at twitch.tv slash since
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you all have a great day. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye.